1: Joining me today in studio, which is exciting, is Jeff Jones, the chief product officer for Shin Gear. Jeff, welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: I am super excited to have Jeff in here. And Jeff and I have worked together for several years. So we're very familiar with each other. But I'm really excited because Jeff actually brought a pair of Shin Gear waders in. And I know that our listeners out there, all the gearheads, the waterfowlers who, you know, really focus on gear. Everybody was aware of the launch of Shin Gear this year. We ran it in New Guns and Gear in July, August. Um, But I'm excited to have a pair in hand, uh, which we'll be sharing some photos and some videos of that here shortly. But I want to get Jeff on here to really talk about Shin Gear, the brand, how it was born, and then we'll really get into the products that they have. So Jeff, let's start with that, you know, First of all, let's start with the name. <laughs> and I, don't, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I know me personally, I mean, I I do all the products for Ducks Unlimited magazine. So I should be tuned in. And I know when the brand originally started leaking out that it was launching, I was guilty of saying, hey, that Chennai gear, you know. So let's start with the name. How did that
2: come about? And then let's just how the brand was born. All right. So Chen, uh, what it means is French for oak. It's just, it's an oak tree, and uh, that's the French word for oak, and it has that cool little diacritic above it Mm -hmm. that we were able to kind of take and turn into like the Delta logo that kind of represents where we're all from and uh, where we hunt and where we love to be. So it is Shin, but, Mm -hmm. man, you hear it everywhere. Sheeny, (laughs) Uh, were We were actually talking about one time letting a whole bunch, recording a bunch of people saying it how they see it. Yeah. You know, how do you say it? Yeah. Uh, it's great. Anywhere from delivery drivers that come to the office to people that just call in to my kids to my kids' yeah. friend, Everybody pronounces it different.
1: So, and it is shin. And I know when I, when I talked to you um, just before they launched, and and you mentioned you made a good kind of a comparison, like standing in water up to shin your shins. Yeah, <laughs> shin like, deep water. That's perfect. That's
2: perfect. And so, how did how did the whole brand come about? So it was an idea to do something. Everybody, everybody said, I want to do something different. But I mean, honestly, we did. We wanted to do something different, approach it different, and honestly, singularly focus on duck hunting. Mm -hmm. And inside of duck hunting, it's that tradition-rich, flooded, green timber duck hunting. Yeah, That's where everybody, I've been doing this for a little over 20 years, and everybody I talk to all over the world, all over the U.S., they want to talk about hunting in the timber. You know, they may not have ever been there, but they've seen it. They see pictures in DU's magazine. They see video of it. Everybody dreams and aspires about the timber. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what I've been since birth, just a lifelong public land timber hunter. Yeah. So, I
1: love it. Um, And you're pretty lucky in that sense, just for the fact that, you know, I grew up in Indiana, you know, reading DU magazine and watching all the TV shows of guys who were in flooded timber, and I had no concept of actually what flooded. Now, our rivers would get out every once in a while, but it was it's not the same as the true green timber uh, that's down here in the south, for sure.
2: Yeah, no, there was green timber uh, behind my parents' house that we could get to and we could hunt. There was uh, public land green timber within just a few minutes of of home, and uh, it's not just me. It's, it's my whole family. It's cousins and uncles yeah. and— we are just being consumed by it forever. Uh,
1: so, where are your secret public land timber spots?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you might start dropping pins, but yeah. no, I'm a I am a lifer in the White River Refuge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh I yeah, mean, that that's home to me. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly, it's a different timber hunt than like even a WMA. Mm-hmm. You know, a WMA that's maybe not off oh, that's yeah. off of a river. Uh, the the White River, man. It, it's just special. It is the woods yeah. are old; they're different. It's the waters different, and the, and the way the ducks behave and the way you work them. Yeah, I always tell everybody, you know, you'll you might start out with four, and then next thing that's grown to six, and now it's ten. Yeah, it, it just builds up there in the sky oh, those yeah. groups of ducks, and man, I, I absolutely love
1: it. Yeah, last time I hunted down there it was a little bit snaky. I think it was. It was probably five or six years ago when the rivers. I mean we launched off a county road, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and it had warmed up. So it was high water and warm. And it was like, oh no, there's, you know, the, the water pushes the snakes out. The warmth allows them to get fired up. And it was, it was a snake. We shot some ducks, but it was pretty snakey down there. Yeah.
2: That, that happens a bunch, especially when you're coming out on those, uh, logging trails or some of the old bios, you'll have a tree down and you know, you'll just be motoring along and there's a lamb at like eye level and there's a cottonmouth sunning himself <laughs> on it. You're like, okay, I'll be I me. Mean, he's Welcome on by Arkansas. the yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, let, let's get
1: back to the shin gear because we could probably just talk White River yeah. um, all day long. But, um, you know, you mentioned the brand was built based on that tradition of green timber hunting. And, um, you know, that, that that's awesome. But, what, you know, I guess my question is, you know, how did how did someone just be like, hey, man, let's start shin gear you know how did it how did the whole process start
2: right so you know kind of my history i've been doing the water making products for waterfowl hunters for years uh, and i kind of felt like that there was a there was a, a possibility for someone to just come in and focus strictly on like waiters yeah. let's come in and build a waiter company uh let's do a waiter out of some materials that are different than what other people are doing. And How can we make it better? How can we make it different? And, you know, face that problem of how do you make a waiter that doesn't leak? Yeah, um, That's the end goal. And the thought was, well, the, the, the problem was here's the things that restrict you from doing what you'd want to do. And let's skip those restrictions. Mm -hmm. Let's just say we could do it however absolutely you want to do it, put the best ingredients into it, what would happen then? And that's really the thought behind the brand and behind the product. Uh, and, And that was the thought kind of behind the product, and we just carried that over to the brand. Well, what could we do in customer service to make somebody's experience better? Yeah. Can we, if there is a problem with the product, could we fix it? Could we... Uh, could we fix it within a, a, a short window of time and yeah. get it back to them? Mm-hmm. You know, could we, you know, the question was, could we fix it in an hour? Yeah. Or could we fix it in a day? And, you yeah. know, so it was always, how can we make something better than what is out there or a better
1: experience for the customer? Yeah. And when you said, you know, you're starting, you, you take away all of the, well, we can't do this because of this. When you take away all that, we can't do what. What was the foundation of the materials that you guys were starting with? Like, all right, we're gonna go the best that we can possibly get, and you know, knowing your background in all of these fabrics and materials, what was that material? That you're like, let's start here. Let's look at this.
2: Well, I mean, honestly, it was like you said. There's better materials out there, so like we chose to use nylon. Mm-hmm. All right, the face fabric have <laughs> to kind of keep it simple or, yeah. or super techie. Yeah. And it's weird because when a consumer looks at the waiter and touches it, they feel a fabric. Yeah. And they think this is a fabric. Well, that fabric is made up of four layers. Okay. So I try to break it down. When you walk up and you feel the outside of that waiter, that's nylon fabric. That's mm-hmm. layer number one going outside in. Uh, nylon is a way more dense, way more, uh, the construction of it is just better. It, uh, it will hold abrasion. It won't tear as easy. It's it's very tough and very durable. Yep. But the negatives to it were you couldn't print it in traditional camouflage printing ways, mm-hmm. meaning uh, the way a polyester wader is made, it's uh, printed with uh, heat transfer paper where the camo has the heat transfer paper yep. on it, and you kind of melt that onto the polyester. Well, you couldn't do that with nylon. Okay, so how can you print it? Well, you can you can print it in a digital way of printing it, but they would people would say you don't want a digital print because that's it's five times as expensive as paper print. Yeah. If we did it, how much would it be? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it was kind of just breaking down those traditional barriers of it would cost you too much to do it this way. Uh, you can't use this fabric because it won't react this way. And it was just everybody that builds a business or goes into the industry, they always say, well, you just asked the question of why. Why, mm-hmm. why, why? And we just kind of kept asking the question, well, why not? Yeah. Why can't you do that? Mm-hmm. Or why can't you do this? And and it was really just boiling everything that somebody said you can't do out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you say I can't do it because the printing method to do this is too expensive, what would it cost me to do it? Yeah. Um, and honestly, it was just getting it to a way that we could build the product better than what we felt was out there when you started you kind of mentioned the nylon outer shell there (laughs) um
1: did you start did you start with that nylon outer shell or did you say you know let's start with the boot you know like how how did you guys approach that
2: it was so it was kind of a shotgun thing you we looked at so when we looked at fabric we said what's available and what's better than what's available Mm -hmm. and kind of worked it all the way up through I mean, we did some, we made some out of some really good polyester fabric. I mean, it was high waterproof, high breathable, really strong, but it just wasn't as good as nylon. So it was like build it out and then try to go better and go better and go mm-hmm. better. Uh, so we did that with the fabric. And then at the same time that we we're doing that with the fabric, we were doing it with the boot too. Yeah. So it was like, let's build a boot from uh, the outsole, which is what touches the floor, touches the ground, all the way up. And we kind of knew that uh, if you look at athletic shoes like tennis shoes or especially like the on-cloud shoes or even a, a Croc, for instance, that those things have EVA in the sole. Mm-hmm. So the question was, well, let's just build a sole out of all EVA because it's so comfortable and it rebounds when you step and it's light and it's yeah. all this. So, you started with Crocs. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It was the idea of Crocs and yeah. the idea of the on-cloud shoes. And it was like, okay, why couldn't you build a boot out of this? Mm-hmm. Well, it, they would come back and say, well, you could, but there's no slip resistance. You're going to fall in the mud and you're going to do this now. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, how about we put a little bit of rubber on the very bottom of it and EVA for comfort and then build a boot around that? And again, it was like, well, you can do that. You could try it. Yeah. So, and it was just... It was really. I kept telling everybody, manufacturing on. It was just breaking down the barriers of well, why not? Let's just try it. Let's try something different and see where it goes from mm-hmm. there.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, and that's. I think that's a. That's a cool process to kind of explain and to hear, and and we'll get more into that. But I think you know consumers in general waterfowlers just like everyone else don't really think about these processes necessarily you know it's like this is this is a suit like you said this can get super techie Mm -hmm. like we always joke around i joke with uh, dr mike brazier my co-host all the time that he's just like he'll go duck nerd on us and totally like black out and say things that no one really understands because he's so there's so much knowledge behind what he's talking about some people in People can miss it. And I think that's the same thing with waders. And especially, it sounds like with the shin gear waiters, it can get really in the weeds and, and really into the technical side, oh, it, which yeah. is cool. I mean, I'm, I'm into that,
2: you know. Yeah. the When you get into the fabric and the layers and what makes up and what makes it breathable, and what makes it waterproof. Mm-hmm. That was going to be my next question. It, it can get so far yeah. out there that you're like, uh, wheel it back. Oh, yeah. Well, you know,
1: and this is an important question, too. And this is just me you know, having experience, you know, having waiters fail. All the time, myself. The seams on the back here, where the boots attach to the material. How did you guys approach that?
2: So, again, it was just kind of a different way to do it. So the the seams all throughout the legs. That is really one of the very first places that waders fail. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you get rubbing in the legs when you're walking or when you're straddling a four wheel or when you're getting on a boat. Anything that you do, duck hunting, yeah. was causing pressure on the seams. So, it was really going in and taking a look at where the seams impacted on the legs and kind of moving them. So, we moved certain parts of seams so they're not rubbing, they're not mm-hmm. touching. And then it was a different process of actually building it. So, if you look at traditional waders and really anything that's sewn together, you're taking a waterproof fabric and then you're punching Eleven holes every inch yeah. to sew it, mm-hmm. and then you come on with this tape on the back end to protect against the holes that you just punched in it to sew it. So it's one of those things where you said, "All right, is there not any other way that you could do this? Yeah, could you not? Could you make it without sewing? You know, there's some really cool stuff out there in the t-shirt world and in the sock world where it never touches a needle. It's yeah. just knitted." So, you know, there's that idea and thought, well, you, you couldn't make a leg that wasn't connected. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all right, so you, you have to find a way you, to connect. Yeah, you can't power. do that. Yeah. So what's the next way to do it? What's the other ways to connect it? And we came across a way that you could almost, it's a, it, for the for the easiest way to understand, it, it's just welded. There's a way to weld the seams together or melt the seams mm-hmm. together. And this is a mechanical bonding. Uh, and you could do that with nylon. So that kind of was like, oh, well, you couldn't do it with polyester because polyester wouldn't hold up to it, but yeah. nylon would. So I was like, oh, well, that's a different way of doing it. that?
1: How hot does that have to get to melt that without? Is there like a very fine line? Where, yeah, there
2: is. Yeah. So and, and that's but you don't part have to give to, away the secrets. Here, well, the I secret. mean that that is in the sauce. Yeah, it, it's getting that temperature right, mm-hmm. and it's it's not only getting it right because the way the the machine works you have to get the pressure between the two wheels right too, cause it can get, it can cut. Oh yeah. Uh, You have to get the speed that you do it through the machine Mm -hmm. right also. Uh, So, and all of that was a learning challenge. Now we had some really good manufacturing partners that that Mm -hmm. understood it and had some uh, patents on how they did it. And they kind of built their own machinery to do it. And they really had figured that way out.
0: You and your dog are a team.
1: And you, you mentioned you you originally started out with, like, a polyester fabric. Yeah. How many different variations did you guys go through before you're like, that's it?
2: Uh, I got a garage full.
1: I was going to say, where yeah. are all these? Are can, an... can I get some uh, <laughs> some kickback? I have, <laughs> I have a garage
2: full. And really, we're going to, we're you know, when we get, kind of like everybody else, once we can get our uh, facility completely set up, the office set yeah. up, I'm going to do a history of waiter. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Not only ours, but— I told a lot of people too, in some other podcasts. They've been making waiters since like the eighteen hundreds.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you've been to the Bass Pro Pyramid here, in Memphis, yeah. where we've got that old pair of waiters yeah. in there. Like,
2: I mean, in any time. So I have this book. It's like the history of waiters from like eighteen thirty. Wow! And it's mesmerizing because mm-hmm. anytime a person like me that does products or builds things, anytime you think you've got a new idea that's never been thought of, they did it a hundred years ago. Yeah, or they did it seventy five yeah. years ago.
1: So. Well, I don't want well. to date myself here, but I I know my first pair of waders, a buddy of mine that I hunted with him and his dad, um, his dad had a bunch of old waders. He gave two or three of us a pair and we were like 14, 15 years old. It was those old, just olive green, like, you know, it was almost like a raincoat, but it was a real thick, like PVC. That's exactly what Material it was. that were terrible. I mean, and they were so big. I mean, it was like a 55 gallon yep. drum. Now we weren't very big at that time, but I mean those are the way and they no insulation. Nope. You know, and we weren't hunting in the south and we were hunting up north and it was cold. I mean, and then looking back at sitting here looking at these waders, like, oh my gosh, the game has changed.
2: Oh yeah. It's completely different. But the but the original idea of a lot of the stuff that they were doing back then is what we're doing now. Yeah. It's just we've had so many more technical advances in mm-hmm. the fabrics and in the uh the laminates that make them waterproof, because the ones that you're talking about, I guarantee you, were uh, like the converse rubber, yeah, and then it had either a nylon or a canvas on the outside, yeah. so they could give it color.
1: Yeah, we had a and some of them, we had some pair that would have almost like a cordura, like, but it was a canvas. Mm-hmm. That's right, it was a canvas that they could put a you know, whatever camo
2: was on there. I don't know. Yeah. that's And that's the only reason why mm-hmm. to do that and to protect the rubber from the sun exposure and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, that that's really it. It's just the overall idea of the waiter has not changed since day one. It's mm-hmm. how do I stay dry when I go out in water, but it's the materials and the craftsmanship and the, technological advances that are changing. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I, and one thing, we'll go ahead and, and move through the waiter a little bit, if you don't mind, I'm, you know, kind of get into the technical side of it because I'm into that. But the one thing that really sticks out, obviously everyone looks at it and sees it, it's the zipper. Yeah. You know, and so how did you approach that? How do you put a zipper on a waiter that won't leak that, you know, is guaranteed not to fail?
2: So that's where you kind of come in and you partner up with somebody that that does that, mm-hmm. and look, I'll, I'll tell anybody. I'll, I'll say it multiple times. I'm not wearing a, a white lab coat. Yeah, I didn't come from NASA. Yeah, you know, I'm just a duck hunter, mm-hmm. and I've spent my time focusing on and and answering or asking that question of why not. Yeah. So I'm no genius here, mm-hmm. uh, but the people at YKK are yeah. when it comes to zippers. Oh yeah, they know what they're doing, and they make an Aqua Seal zipper that doesn't leak. They mm-hmm. use them on. All kinds of things. And actually, it cost us a lot of delays in getting our zippers for our waiters because of the PPE equipment and yeah. different stuff going on. Oh, yeah, I bet. So, these people, they know zippers. I don't know zippers. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to know zippers. Take it to the zipper guys. I need to go to the zipper people and yeah. say, hey, what's the best thing out there? And it's, you know, it's that zipper. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not the only one that use that zipper. There's other people that use that zipper. But that's where you go to YKK and say, hey, I need the best zipper possible because cool. I'm going to put people in a wader that they're going to go and water in. Yeah.
1: And that's similar to the same wader that they would put on, like, wetsuits, is it not? That's it, exactly what
2: it yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just kind of give people an idea. You know, straps. So, straps, that's where, we, you know, being a user of the product kind of comes in.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, a lot of waders have a bunch of, like, big, long, elastic, and they get stretched out, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not the best way to do it. What we did was went in with a heavy-duty webbing shoulder strap, so yeah. you could kind of lock that weighter down onto your body, and it fits snug and hold tight to you uh, and stay in place. Yeah. Now, that's always a back-breaking thing when they won't stay in place. But doing that to build the straps that way, it was uncomfortable. hmm so, it was like, all right, this is the best way to build a strap that we can come up with. Now, how do we make it comfortable? Yeah. So, then we came in, we built this underneath the strap uh, neoprene padded yoke system. So, it spreads that weight around your back and your shoulders yeah. and gets it off of you. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, that's where wearing it and having a bunch of people wear it, it kind of comes back and you can build things like that.
1: Yeah, kind of talk about the buckle the, on the straps. I mean, that's a little bit of a different look. Um than, than some of the, your traditional waders. Um, why did you guys choose that?
2: So if you if you watch duck hunters and people that love to shoot and and uh, that wear waders and everything, those buckles get in the way. Yep, They're right in the shoulder. They're right where you raise your gun up or sometimes even right where you put your gun against you. So a buckle, uh, especially like a plastic buckle, it's a pain and it's in the mm-hmm. way. And a lot of times you'll take waders off and they get stepped on and it's broken. And now you've got... A pretty much a useless waiter because yeah. you can't work the straps. Mm-hmm. So it was a way to try to find it so you could... A different buckle so you could slim down that whole chest area. You didn't have a big piece of plastic sticking there. Uh, so we have this little slide buckle that you can... Uh, adjust it, you can get in and out of it pretty quick, or you can leave it set. You know, if if you're very comfortable and, and can move real easy, you can just slide the shoulder straps off yeah. and get out of your weight. Yep. A lot of people will set them one time that's and never touch it. I, it again. Yeah, I
1: do it like that. I, I always tell people that I need to be in the waiter Olympics because I can get my weighters on and off faster than anyone else. Like, yeah, I'm getting out of the... I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. And, and that's because I leave my straps... And then just pull them down, pull them up. I don't. There's no unbuckling or nothing. You know, it's just like no. hop in and go.
2: Yeah, and that so that so that shoulder strap system with that zipper, it allows you to do that so easy. You can just set them, yeah, and just slide them on, slide them off, and easy to go so
1: how many how many waiters did you guys have out in the field last season i mean i know you didn't launch these this product until july but yeah i mean you guys obviously had people out there testing these things
2: yeah so we made waiters and we wore them and tested them and then we put them on i think it was right at 50 or right over 50 right around the 50 number Mm -hmm. 52 or 48 people that wore waiters and it was people that Every day, type. Yeah, I mean, just those lucky people, man. There's some people, people get to hunt every day. They can hunt yeah. every day, or forty days, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And it was people like that that you're kind of jealous of. I
1: used to hunt like forty-five days before I started working for Ducks Unlimited. Yeah. Now I'm in the office more. I get to hunt. You yeah, know? That's, not, that's not. I'm not saying I don't get my opportunities, but I definitely, you know, I know the people you're talking about who There's- get to spend. You know, almost every day. Every day. Out there, and that's awesome.
2: So, it was good. It was good to get their feedback. They helped on the shoulder straps, uh, the boots, the belt. Um,
1: and did you choose people like, you know, I think it, it probably a really good perspective for you, who's kind of the engineer behind all of it here. Um, you hunt from a boat. And from my opinion, boat hunting is the hardest on waiters, you know some people would say no you know this kind of but man getting in and out of the boat there's things in the boat that can catch it you know you just it's there's it's a disaster for waiters in my opinion um now you obviously were in the boat but did you look at it and be like hey i need a guy that hunts nothing but rice fields or nothing but flooded cornfields. Did you kind of look at it from that perspective? We did.
2: We, yeah. You know, our primary focus is the woods and the timber. That's, mm-hmm. that's who we are and who we're going after. But we also did exactly that. We had to look at people that hunted from big stationary blinds, yeah. people that were hunting out of pits. Uh, pits are a disaster. Pits are a disaster. Uh, cornfields, there's, you know, there's a lot of people that are hunting now in like layout type blinds mm-hmm. in cornfields. So you kind of wanted their opinion of, how, do, how was it when you have to stand in knee-deep water but then lay down in a uh, kind of a layout boat type mm-hmm. thing in a cornfield? So what, what were they experiencing when they wore the wader? And uh, it was just getting that feedback. Yeah. And honestly, it's still getting feedback from customers now. Yeah. Uh, we we kind of encourage anybody to come along and say, you know, I like this or I don't like that. or mm-hmm. Because we're duck hunters, too. We, yeah. we just want to build product for duck hunters. Yeah.
1: So, you, you want that feedback. You do. You know? so a lot. Some people don't. They're like, oh, this is perfect.
2: Well, I mean, you know, just like anything else, you get some crazy feedback. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what you need? Your yeah. belt. It, <laughs> you it needs to be need. able to hold a uh, beverage in there. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that's not real. You know, yeah. so, but, you know, you, you kind of weed through people's suggestions and, and ideas, and you never know what little thing somebody yeah. just... Randomly says would yeah. make something better. So, yeah, we welcome it.
1: Yeah. And so I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. If anyone, you know, who has shin gear waiters now has feedback, you can email the DU podcast at dupodcast at ducks.org and we will. Forward that over to Jeff. So, uh, any listeners out there who want to provide feedback or just have questions, and we'll we'll provide that in the uh, in the show notes of, of the episode as well. But um, by all means, like he you just he's welcoming feedback. Now don't now don't recommend the the sh- the belt cup holder <laughs> for the you know we don't need to recommend that. But you know, moving on and you know we'll kind of as much as I like to get into the technical side of the build, um, we may come back to that because I got one more question. But I wanted to talk to you about the launch, you know, how you built up. You guys spent two years basically building the product or more. Was it it about two years? About two years. About two years. You get the products, you know the rumblings. I started hearing the rum, you know. I'm doing the new guns and gear, so I knew you know you and I had spoke, and we need that product well before you know July when you guys were going to launch. So, so I was kind of on the front edge of kind of hearing the hints and seeing the products. But your launch date was July 5th, and you guys just basically went live direct to consumer on your website. How was that process?
2: Uh, it was amazing. The whole idea of direct to consumer and everything's different than what you see before. We chose that July time frame because historically, whether waterfowlers admit it or not, or even think about it, around that July 4th time frame, it's like a switch happens in oh, waterfowlers' yeah. heads, and they yeah. start thinking about the season, they start preparing their places, and all that.
1: That's why the new guns and gear feature in right. DU magazine is July August, and it's the most popular piece of content that we put out all year long. And it's every year.
2: Yeah. So, it I mean, it, so it was like the perfect time to release and come mm-hmm. out. So we had this, uh, release. I mean, it was yeah. like, okay, at 10 o'clock. So
1: you planned this around DU Magazine. Yeah, today. we did. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what we did.
2: Uh, so no, we said around 10 o'clock, we're going to turn the switch on and people yeah. can order. And, uh, man it the it was really awesome yeah honestly it was you could tell that not only did uh, did consumers want a new product but they were also looking for a new brand and mm-hmm. somebody that kind of listened to them and came out and said hey we're trying to solve problems and this is what we're focusing on and yeah. all that and being there all day watching you know orders come in or questions come in yeah. or just being or just seeing traffic on the website as it moved it was Man, it was a really, real experience. Yeah. How
1: many pairs of weight did you sell that first day? Is that public knowledge? Yeah, I
2: can't remember. Um... I wish I'd, I, yeah. I probably should have done better homework. No, so that's right. I was just curious. You know, I, and I'll be
1: honest, we were probably a part of the, your potential technical problem on that day because I know John Hoffman sits next, our photo editor, and I walked in his office and he's like, they're going live and pulled up the website right there. And, and so, like, there were people who were just, you know, probably a lot of people who were kind of looking.
2: Oh, yeah, there was tons of people looking. And we were like, and it's one of those questions, too, you know, when you're working. So, I, I I'm not a... Technical guy, I don't know anything at all about mm-hmm. computers or the web or anything. I was like, what do we do if we crash? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't think we will, but we won't know until we launch. Yeah. That's so we right. won't, it's like, it was like an answer of, well, we won't crash until we crash. Yeah, that's right. Like, oh, you'll be the first at oh, the scene yeah. of the crime. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Man, it, it really was. It was such a cool experience. That's cool. And did you guys
1: get feedback that first day from people like, "Oh man," like, or maybe like a week later when they got that you know shipped to their house and they open it up and they're like, "Oh, dude."
2: Yeah. So we we took a little bit of time to get orders in, get everything kind of because I mean it was you know. It sounds simple. You place an order, you ship a waiter. But we wanted to take time with who the customer was that bought the waiter. Mm-hmm. So we wrote handwritten thank you notes yeah. to anybody that bought a waiter. We sent it out. So it took us a little bit of time to get all the orders sorted, find out who the customers were, and be able to write a note to them, yeah. thanking cool. them. I mean, it was, it's a big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. my everybody's family's kind of riding on this, and you yeah. wanted to say thanks. If oh, a guy man. took the time to buy the product, we wanted to say thank you to him. Yeah. Uh, so we started shipping and getting waiters out there and then it was just kind of like automatic responses of we love this waiter. These waiters fit great. And for people that have never felt nylon or never felt this kind of waiter, it feels completely different than any oh, yeah. other breathable out there. So you would get these comments about the feel of the fabric and how tough and durable they were. And then the races started. Uh oh! People started posting on Instagram and different things, running in this waiter. Really? And that, I had no idea hilarious. where it came from, yeah. who started it, or anything. But we got we got one, and a guy posted it on Instagram, and we you know we shared it on our story. And he's just like running zigzags in his backyard. And then the next thing you know— The internet
1: is awesome. The,
2: the next thing you know, there's a guy running around his shop, and he runs all the way up to the camera. And it was just continued videos. There's a guy that did a video. He's on a treadmill. Mm-hmm. Another guy was in a gym. You're like, I, I don't know why this is happening, yeah. but this it's so fun to oh, watch. Oh,
1: yeah. I, and, you know, that's that's true. I mean, it's just quite the testament to the mobility, you know. And that's one thing that, for me, you know, even growing up with those old waiters that, you know, we knew, like, walking long distances was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And that's completely changing. I mean, and that's just the technological advances of these things. Because well, that, that's awesome.
2: Though. It's one of the things that was really addressed with this waiter. and, and for a, a purely selfish reason. Mm-hmm. So when the water level is not up, you know, the White River is so weird. The water can come up. It can go down. Beavers can trap it. So there's a lot of my season that I can only boat so far. Yep. And, and then, then I got to walk. Oh, yeah. And that's not fun. I mean, you don't I'm, have one of those big barges where you can take your four wheeler. We crawl. do. That's so a, we can do that too. Yeah. But again, it's depending it, on the river. The, level, if man. the river hits a certain level, there's sloughs you can't cross. Yeah. So you get times that you're trapped to, if you want to get to a spot, mm-hmm. you're going to have to walk. Yeah. So you wanted a waiter that took away that heavy boot and that uncomfortable. Cumbers- yeah. So, we th- there was a lot of thought put behind that Absolutely. into this waiter.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's exciting. And, um, and and that's what I wanted, just based on that, even going back to the technical side of it. And you brought it up briefly, but I, this is just me being curious. How do you make a waiter breathable?
2: Again, that's one of those things where you partner with somebody that knows how to do something you don't mm-hmm. know. And the laminate that you use, your microporous coating laminate, which makes it waterproof, uh, they have different levels. You know, you can say... You know, the common industry thing to say is I want it to be waterproof and I want it to be breathable. And they'll say, to what level? Yeah. And then it's like a cost thing. Oh, yeah. So when we did it, we were like, all right, well, what's the... And, and thinking that waterproof at different levels is... It's it's a crazy mm-hmm. process to do in your head. It's oh, either, yeah. Most people will say, well, it's either waterproof or it's not. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's true. But what you don't think about is with a waiter, when you go in the water... And you'll notice as you go deeper and deeper, the more pressure builds. Yeah. So that's where really good waterproof separates. It mm-hmm. holds pressure. Yeah. So we're like, what kind of waterproof can we get that's high pressure tolerant and is still breathable and is just a better level? Yeah. So that's what you do. You just like you just keep asking why not or why and what happens if we use one that's as breathable as this is? Yeah. Here you go. There you go. You have <laughs> to pay for it. But yeah.
1: No, I mean, and, that, and that's, you know, like you said, you guys set out to make, to improve on the waiters that are out there now. And that's kind of the process that you have to go through. And in, in reality, like you said, you're going to have to pay for it. Um, in the boot, inside the boots, insulation in there.
2: So the boot, so basically from where it attaches to the waiter all the way through the toe, it's five mil neoprene. Okay. So that's where you get your comfort. That's It's lighter and all that. Mm-hmm. But then we also, in the foot area, around the top of the foot and underneath the foot, we put 1,200 grams of insulate insulation. Okay. That's one of the things where the market is so keyed on uh, insulation. Does it have insulation in it? What kind yeah. of insulation? Mm-hmm. So you wanted to provide them that uh, insulation that they're accustomed to, yep. but then also add in the neoprene so it makes it a really warm, yeah. really light
1: boot. And these and the, the waders themselves are not insulated.
2: No, the correct. body, there's <laughs> no right. insulation yeah. in the body. Yeah. And, you know, that's a a topic of discussion it's
1: i'm a big fan of that. originally when people started coming out with the uninsulated you know waiters i was like oh man i'm gonna freeze over the course of the last eight years i'm a big fan of non-insulated right because i i can dress if i know that it's going to be cold i can layer up that's you right know? and if a, like you said if you're we walking long distances you can control that you know, the heat inside of there. You can, you can, you can basically be the decision maker on how
2: well, warm you are in your that, I mean, but if, if somebody sits there and thinks about it, I mean, just think about it just for a minute. Yeah, it's an uninsulated waiter, and that concept is kind of odd. They're like, oh, I'm going to freeze. I want insulation. Just think about it for a second. You know what the temperature is going to be tomorrow. What do you need to wear to stay warm? Or what do you need to wear to stay cool? You know, some of our seasons it's been yeah. so hot throughout the whole year. What do you need to be comfortable in the elements? Just like you're going to work, you know what you got to wear when you're going out oh, in yeah. elements. Just let the waiter do its job of keeping you dry. Yep. Let's just, let's just solely focus on so it's almost like you're going dry. out to
1: hunt in a dry field. Yeah. You Go out there and you know you approach it in that manner. And you you. Dress for the cold, you know, however cold you think you might be, and then let the waiter just keep you dry. That's
2: it. where would you need to wear. I mean... And everybody gets different temperatures. You know, I've nearly froze to death before when it was 50 degrees, but it was cold and wet. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so you know what you need to do to stay dry or stay warm. We'll keep you dry. That's cool.
1: I know as I get older, back in my heyday, I used to be out there like picking up ice chunks with my bare hands and never get cold, never wear, you know, never have to wear, you know, long underwear, things like that. But as I get older, now I'm really, I'm much more focused on that. Oh, man, I see.
2: All the time. I've got, like, you, know, you have kids. I've got three little girls, mm-hmm. and they're out there on a snow day with soaking wet gloves, picking it, just never complaining. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a little too cool in the pool the other day, and I was like, I ain't getting in there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll stay
1: out. Yeah, but, yeah, we did that just recently. You know, it's by the time it hits 60s, like, I'm not getting it back in that pool. Nah, you no. Know? But the kid, my kid, I have two little girls, and they're just, psh, they
2: don't care. Yeah, just get in there. I'll, I'll sit underneath this blanket while y'all swim. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll sit underneath the blanket <laughs> in the backyard while you're swimming. That, that's how you show you're getting old. <laughs> couple more things with the waiter and then we'll, we'll try and get you out of here. The pockets. I noticed you've got inside pockets, which I really like. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the external pockets that are lined, like a flip. What, what's the liner
2: in there? So, the external pockets have fleece lining. Give you some warm place to put your hand. Mm-hmm. I'm a dog guy, so yep. I always get to ducks. So I've always got a wet dog. My hands are always wet. Yep. So, I like fleece to be able to put them in there and have a, you know, a dry place to yeah. get that water off. <laughs> and, and they're located pretty high. They're really high, but the pocket is also really deep. So, and and that was done on purpose because you're always going to put shells mm. in there. That's just the nature of a waterfowler. If he's got a pocket, he's putting shells in yep. And I hated the feeling of when I put my hands in my pocket of touching like that cold brass oh, or yeah. a cold shell. Mm-hmm. Don't, y'all don't crucify me. I'm not sensitive, but no. I mean, it's cold. Let's <laughs> yeah, be honest. Nice. So the pocket is deep enough for those shells to go down and get out of the way yeah. and still have a place for your hands to get warm and dry.
1: That's cool. That's pretty thoughtful. I didn't, you know, didn't really think about that, but that's... That's a good idea.
2: And then on the inside, there's two magnet pockets. Uh, for me, that's where I'm keeping my phone. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense in my head, the way I think about it, that if I'm going to pull my phone out and drop it, I want it to drop down into, into the, the water, yeah. not instantly into mm-hmm. the water. So that's a phone pocket for me. Another really cool use for that pocket is you can put those hot hand warmers in them. Yeah. And when you put your hands in the outside pocket, that hand warmer is right behind you. Oh, that's
1: you. cool. Yeah. So it
2: keeps your hand warm, your chest warm, and all your, everything warm. So it's funny how
1: now, you know, manufacturers and, and not just in waiters like, like you guys, but in everything, bags all across the board are now addressing the phone issue. <laughs> because there was a time not too
2: long ago where people were like,
1: I'm not bringing my phone to go and duck hunting. Now everybody's got a phone duck
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. Growing up, I always think about it just because you said phone. It was triggers as thought. My dad, you know, we hunted there at the house. So he kind of hunted every day. But like a couple times a year, he'd take a week-long trip and go to a Buddy's place. Place or a mm-hmm. different whatever. And he'd leave out on Sunday afternoon, not be back to the next Sunday afternoon. And we didn't hear from him. Yeah. There was no calling. <laughs> yeah. There was no checking in. <laughs> no. There was nothing that. And you fast forward to today, I mean, you ever seen anybody that didn't have their phone right beside them? No. Yeah. So I mean it, it, it's it's something that you have to address. People are going to have their phone. They want their phone. Yeah. They want it now. So yeah, mm-hmm. you you do see more and more I've got to build a pocket for a specific phone. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: A specific phone. Yeah. You start getting into specific makes you know, yeah. for different phones and iPhone models. Next That's thing right. know. uh Belt wise, I think we've pretty much covered the whole thing other than looking at the, you know, the belt, the waiter belt.
2: Yeah, the belt. It's cool, too. And it, it's one of the things that you really kind of got to see and touch to understand. But, you know, traditionally belts were kind of like just an afterthought. Mm-hmm. You know, we, a waiter's got to have a belt. Yeah. You have a belt, got a belt. And that was it. And it's a kind of a slick polyester material, and it would slide, so you could adjust them. Problem with that belt is, and everybody's experienced it, you would have to tighten it several times yeah. throughout the day to keep it tight. So our belt is made kind of with a, it's like an elastic bungee in there, mm-hmm. and it's it's got it's ribbed all the way through. So when you do set it, it won't slip. Yeah, it won't come. You don't have to reset it. But what it will do is it, as you move, if you bend over, if you get in a boat or whatever thing, it'll stretch, and then it'll come right back because it's a really heavy. Do the elastic webbing. So that belt, once you put it on and get it set and get used to it, you're like, "Oh man, this is really cool. Why yeah. did no one think about doing this before?"
1: I'm gonna run in
2: these ways. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take off running. I'm gonna run around this barn. Yeah, so.
1: that's yeah. yeah. I've just thought about that again. That's hilarious. I'm gonna have to go online and look all that stuff up. Yeah, they're uh, funny. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, anything else about the waiters? You know that that you want our audience to know.
2: Well, I'll tell you this, and, and we did it, and it's kind of in our model and how we're doing it. We made the statement of uh, we'll stand behind them as long as you stand in them. Yep. And what that means is we're doing a limited lifetime warranty yeah. on the waiter. Uh, if it fails or if you have an issue with it, we'll pair it or replace it here in Memphis. Okay. We can do that at our shop. And, you know, the goal is to try to get it back to you as fast as possible. Yeah. Our goal time frame I kind of think about I will forever always be a weekend hunter. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just how I grew up. It's what I think about, and I try to build it around the weekend hunter. And if a guy goes out on Saturday or Sunday, has an issue, if they can get us that waiter. Monday, Tuesday of that following week. If they're in Memphis, we can meet them. Yeah. They can come to the shop. Memphis is a
1: pretty good place to go because you got that. ton to do, yeah. And you got, you know, you got, people can ship it here pretty quick. It's yeah, pretty so, easy to ship stuff. To so, there. yeah,
2: even if you're not close by, you can send it here. Mm-hmm. If we can get it, the goal is to get it back to you before yeah. that next weekend. Because you don't want, you don't, we have such limited time of the season oh, anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't want anybody to miss a day because your product failed. Yeah. So, get it back. Let's get it fixed and get it back to you
1: that's cool and so you guys are going to try and get that turnaround as fast as i mean you possibly can. i
2: listen i don't want anybody to miss a day of hunting because yeah. our product failed them
1: yeah that's awesome well jeff this has been fantastic this yeah. has been a great conversation um uh, in the show notes i'll put i'll drop all the pins to all your secret spots on the white river because i know that everyone <laughs> is probably really cued into that right now please do that um, but no this has been good i think you know it's awesome having shin gear on board here um, excited to you know get in a pair of these and and really you know see what they're all about and maybe run around a barn or something. It'll be thank great. Thank you, I appreciate it, man. I'd like to thank my guest Jeff Jones for joining us today from Shin Gear and talking about their new products. I'd also like to thank Chris Isaac, our producer, for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us and supporting wetlands conservation.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash dupodcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team.